0: Welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Aaron Klug, co-founder of Epilog. Epilog is an online will kit that enables people to take control of their estate planning by making sure that they have one of the most important documents that is typically neglected by most societies, which is their will. And in doing so, leave behind a legacy that does not involve a massive pain for their loved ones. And with that, here's my interview with Aaron. Aaron, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Jason. So Aaron Klug of Epilog, tell us about Epilog. So, what we say about Epilogue
1: is it's a simple, smart online wills, and if I could expand on that a little. Uh, yeah. What we tell people is Epilogue is an affordable and easy to use web based platform that helps Canadians create their own legally binding estate planning documents in as little as twenty
0: minutes. Twenty minutes, okay. So, legally binding, important because otherwise, disappointed. <laughs> this twenty minutes—that's uh, you know a, a far cry from the average estate planning requirements or, or, or amount of time required. So talk to me about the origin of epilogue. Where was the hole in the market that you saw that you felt that you need to fix? So a little background
1: on myself, I'm a lawyer and I'm an estate planning lawyer and I practiced as an estate planning lawyer for uh, about seven years in downtown Toronto. So when you describe the process as normally taking way more than 20 minutes, well, I mean, I I lived it and I lived it on a regular basis uh, through my clients. My co-founder, Daniel Goldgut, he's also an estate planning lawyer. We actually worked together for a few years at the same law firm and we saw the same thing from our friends who needed to get wills done from our clients who wanted to get wills done is that it was a long process. And we were often, it was like pulling teeth, right? We were calling clients and calling our friends and saying, okay, uh, you know, I, I sent you, some documentation to fill out. I need some questions answered. Can you send that back to me? And the process would take sometimes weeks and sometimes months to finish. And in the end of the day, Daniel and I looked at the stats out there and we saw that the problem was not unique to our clients. The problem wasn't us. In other words, millions of Canadians don't have these documents in place. And so we thought that we could come up with a good solution to help people get these important documents in place.
0: Well, first off, again, huge need. I mean, I think I've seen stats that show less than 50% of Canadians actually have a will, let's um, have a will, period. And then as for the percentage of them having it up to date, well, that's equally as shameful. So a subsection of a subsection of of people actually have an up-to-date will that is valid or in keeping with their current wishes, which is just utterly frightening, if you, uh, for lack of a better term. And as I always say with this stuff, if you want your family to hate you after you're gone... Go ahead and die without a will because the most heartbreaking conversations I have in this industry are around the loved ones passing away, not leaving things organized and leaving a tremendous mess behind for everybody, or even just not letting them know what their wishes were in advance so that it all comes as a surprise. So, and by the way, just one little thing, the entire thing about where everybody meets the lawyer's office for the reading of the will, that's not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. that's 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 Hollywood. That doesn't happen. Like you don't get to sit there while people complain about like suddenly have their family dynamics blow up in front of you, right? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised, though, because I have gotten the question before. When I was
1: practicing, I at least one time had somebody call me after a, a close relative passed away, and they said, "Do we come down and then you read the will to us?" And I said, uh, "No, I'll email the will to you, and
0: you can read it. And if you have questions, that's when you'll come into the office and we'll talk about it." You know how much an hour of your time costs in comparison to them reading other English. Like it's an English language document, <laughs> right? Like so. Let's go there. So one thing we want to address here off the bat is that we're not talking about. A will for someone who has multiple corporations, massive trusts, offshore issues. Like this is really kind of this is the mass market product, right? Like we're looking to to deal with the average complexity more so. Would you say?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, when we practiced, uh, Daniel and I, our clients were largely high net worth individuals. And so there were a lot of these complexities involved You know, when you speak of private corporations or they have multi-million dollar trusts that they want to put in place for their kids, but that's not the average person. And the average person's needs are relatively basic. And like you said, it's a whole lot better to have something in place than it is to have nothing in place. And so that's exactly what we did. We designed a system that helps is going to help the vast majority of people at least have something in place to protect their loved ones.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. A lot of times when I talk to lawyers and mention products like yours, I basically get a lot of, uh in return. Like They're like, well, I can't deal with all this stuff. And I'm like, well, Pareto principle, 80-20. 80% of people need 20% of the work, quite honestly, and vice versa. 20% of the people need 80% of the work done by lawyers. So the reality is, is that the average person who's got a simple T4 salaried lifestyle, home, kids, whatever it is, modest net worth does not need to have this massive stay plan done if they've got a very simple, straightforward situation. Now, there can be times where it's not, but that presents an interesting challenge for you in design, right? Like where do you determine where the line is drawn at which your product is going to be sufficient to handle that case versus when you're no longer able to do so?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And there are other online will platforms out there and everyone draws the line at a place where they think is appropriate. I think with Daniel and I, we are when we built epilogue, we did it in a li- a little bit more of a restrictive way. So one of the principles that we built Epilogue on was this lawyer's mentality, this idea that we tried to think of all the places where somebody could go wrong, where somebody could create a will that is detrimental to them as opposed to beneficial to them. And in those situations, we actually right through our platform steer people to lawyers. We have partnerships with lawyers. And we will actually connect them with a lawyer in their area to help them with their will. But to your question, even something as simple as somebody saying, you know what, I've got two kids and I want to give one of them 60% and one of them 40%. Mm -hmm. There are other places you can do that. But in, in our minds, That is already a complicated will because we know from our own personal experience that when you start treating children differently in a will, those are the wills that are ripe for challenge. You know, in our view, a basic will is when somebody says, okay, give everything to my spouse. If my spouse isn't alive, divide everything equally between my kids. That's a basic will. Once you get outside of the scope of that, and when somebody... and you know, again, this isn't not at all a commentary on testamentary freedom. Like Daniel and I both believe that people, by and large, are entitled and allowed to do whatever they want with their assets in their will. The but, courts might not
0: agree necessarily. Would you say the courts well, might the not? Courts might not. There's some weird precedents out there. There I mean, are, I'm well, yeah. The BC sure. one where the deadbeat the deadbeat son they could not disproportionately benefit the non deadbeat son and saying you lived at home for God knows how long. So therefore you got part of your share and therefore I'm giving it more to the other, to the other brother. And it's like, no, 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 no. You got to support the deadbeat. (laughs) Like, like there's some weird stuff out there.
1: You're you're absolutely right. And the courts have always, it's called public policy, right? You can't write a will that's against public policy and public policy is always changing. Mm -hmm. And what we do with epilogue is not a a commentary on that. And people can go to a lawyer and and ask whatever they want. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we know when there's those types of wills that are more likely to be challenged. Well, that's when an individual actually wants the benefit of going to a lawyer and the lawyer's going to take notes about why they want to give 60% to one and 40% to the other. And the lawyer may, even put a, a custom clause in the will explaining that rationale. And again, this is all for the benefit of the testator. So, an online platform can't necessarily do that. So, where we draw the line, we probably draw the line a little bit differently than other people, but we do it with a view to making sure that our customers are as protected as possible.
0: Well, I mean, it's someone goes in there and says, I have a disabled child that I want to, you know, set up a Henson's Trust for. It's like your system's not going to handle that, right? Like, you're not going to go down that rabbit hole, right?
1: That's exactly right. And most importantly, I think that question is like the fourth question in our flow. So before somebody even gets that far along or even creates an account, they get a message that says, you know what? it doesn't look like we're, it doesn't look like we are right for you. Well, here are four lawyers in your area that are really great estate planning lawyers and they can do this work at a reasonable price for you. It's not going to be the same price point as us, obviously. It's still at that point you're paying lawyers fees, but at that point, it probably justifies the fees.
0: Well, I would say so, especially given you know the, how high the stakes are for the beneficiaries case in that one. I will say I commend you on the thinking of this because not often do people start the design thinking or the flow thinking by how many ways can this lead to a broken result? That's not a conventional thinking. You're typically trying to design a UI to get from point A to point B as fast as possible and effectively as possible and accomplish whatever you're trying to accomplish. But you threw in the concept of how many different ways can we, if we're not careful and let everybody think we can do everything, screw this up. And you architected around that. So commendable because the stakes are high in people's individual lives.
1: Yeah, it's almost as if we started with the idea of how quickly can we kick people out of the process when they're not right for us. And if they are right for us, then then we let them continue. I mean, like you said, you know, the, the market is big enough. So many people need this service. And like you said, yeah. if it's 80-20, then there's going to be lots of people where this is the right solution. And for people where it is the right solution, this is going to be a really, really good one because Mm -hmm. uh, it's gonna be a good price point. And they're going to get a really solid will that you know, if you held up next to a will that would've been drafted by a lawyer, they'd look very, very similar, if not identical. But for the other 20%, for the people we're not right for, well, we're much better off uh, steering them in the right direction than we are trying to fit a square
0: peg into a round hole. Great, so you're avoiding the square peg in the round hole situation. But essentially, and and frankly, I've utilized your, or platforms like yours as well, for clients when they're at a certain threshold, right? Like when it doesn't, when it's like you said, it's pretty straightforward. Look, I'm going to give this evenly to my kids. I maybe have the need to this, to define a, um, or name a guardian for those kids, but essentially it's money's going 50, going to the spouse and then it's going 50, 50. And you know, that's basically it. Really there's, I mean, I, there's not a lot of, and I got to think that in your previous life as, an, as a lawyer, I'm sure you sat down and thought, really, there's not a lot of value I'm adding here other than filling in the template at this point, right? Like the truly is rewarding. And there's times where lawyers really earn their money and where any professional earns their money is in the case of complexity, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the value that lawyers bring is obviously in their knowledge of the law. I was a tax lawyer. And so when people came in, a lot of the conversation was around how we uh, tax plan your will efficiently. A lot of that conversation was around probate planning. And for, again, high net worth clients with private companies, that was a conversation they were interested in having. And it was certainly worth paying for. But in terms of the drafting of a will, I mean, no lawyer drafts a will from scratch, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like every new client that comes in, you start with a blank piece of paper and you start typing. These things are largely templated. Mm -hmm. And what I observed in practice, and Daniel was the same, is that when people have pretty similar situations, when I I mean family situations, when people are in fairly similar family situations, they generally want to achieve similar outcomes when it comes to their estate planning. So that lends itself very well to templating. My background is also in computer science. That was my first degree was in computer science. And I always looked for ways where I could infuse technology into my legal practice. And so, you know, all those things together and recognizing the problem, it lends itself to a solution like the one we built in Epilogue.
0: A background in computer science before you got into law. So I won't tell you what I did in between. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sure it's a thrill a minute. Okay. <laughs> I actually do love law and <laughs> computer science. To me, it would be interesting. Excellent. So take me through the entire workflow. Someone discovers your website, gets referred to it. What does the experience look like start to finish? What is happening in those 20 minutes?
1: Yeah. So, the first thing they're going to do is answer a bunch of questions, which gives us really basic information about them, like truly, truly basic information, and lets us know whether they're that at a very high level, whether they we're the right solution. So, somebody will let us know whether they're married or in a common law relationship or whether they're single, not in a relationship. They'll let us know whether or not they have kids. They'll let us know if they're in a relationship and they have kids. They'll let us know if they're in a second marriage. So, are your kids from a previous relationship? That's a disqualifying question. If somebody's got kids from a prior relationship, we're probably looking at a scenario where they need a spousal trust. They probably want to talk to a lawyer and we'll tell them that. Then we have a question about Henson trusts, like you alluded to before. So is anyone receiving, at least in Ontario, it would say benefits under ODSP. Then we message that, okay, if somebody sort of gets through the threshold questions, we'll basically message that uh, okay, the will we're going to build for you is going to give everything to your spouse or partner. If they're alive, if they're not alive. Everything will be divided equally between your kids. Does that work for you? And again, if somebody says no, then we have a roster of lawyers that we can refer them to that can do all the things that uh, they might want to do under their will. And if they say yes, they proceed. And so at that point, the user is prompted with some additional basic questions about themselves, birth date, you know, the city where they live, whether or not they have any pets. There's uh, the next section is questions about their family, partner's name and gender and their kids, uh, names and birth dates. And beyond that, it's a bunch of questions about how they want their estate distributed. Mm-hmm. So it could mean funds to charity, it could mean personal items. you know, I want to give my guitar to my cousin or my motorcycle to my friends. But because we address the residue, which is usually the bulk of the estate, because we address that upfront, it makes our distribution flow uh, very simple. All of our wills have a basic trust provision in it. So we ask the customer what age they might want their kids to get control over their own inheritance. So again, we have to phrase things in a way that people are gonna relate to and understand. If we say, how long do you want the funds held in trust for? Well, no one's gonna understand what that means, right? So we were very careful about how we worded questions. We had to word them in a way that people would understand what we're asking, what we're getting at and what the result is gonna be in the will. So beyond those questions, again, like you mentioned, we ask about guardianship if there are minor children. And then we ask them to appoint an executor.
0: Pretty much. So again, you're covering all the fundamental bases and you're making sure it's taken care of and you're bumping people out whenever it doesn't, whenever it doesn't make sense. So perfect. So tell me what happens if Say there's a change in in a state law, something changes, people need to go back and the wills are now invalid, or for whatever reason they need to be considered. What do you do to to help them in that category?
1: That's a great question. So in terms of changes in estate law, we've probably had more changes in estate law in the last six months than we had in the prior 200 years. So one thing I guess we have going for us is that state law doesn't change all that often, mm-hmm. and when it does, Daniel and I are actually members of the estates bar here in Ontario. We have our ears to the road in terms of uh, what's going on, and so we can make those changes because we have the estate planning knowledge and the development knowledge in-house. We're able to make those changes relatively quickly. I don't suspect that there's ever going to be a change that invalidates prior wills because then that would we were lead- close.
0: We were close. Not that long ago. We
1: were close on the, what well, you're referring to the primary and secondary will stuff? The, um, oh, was it, what was the case? Uh, the Milne, Milne decision.
0: Milne decision. We were close. <laughs> yeah.
1: So that, that was one. I was still practicing at the time. I actually wrote a couple articles about it. And yeah, that was one that sort of had every estate planning lawyer's heart skipping a few beats, I think.
0: And swearing
1: at the judge for getting it wrong, but that was a different story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a lot of uncaptured, what could have been billable hours spent dealing with uh, all the spilled ink that came out of that decision. Oh, that's for goodness.
0: sure. Oh my goodness,
1: was there ever? Um, was there but, ever? Uh, But I don't think there's going to be any wholesale change that sort of invalidates what I'll call basic wills. That being said, as things change, we're able to make those changes as a company. And more importantly, what's more likely to change, of course, are people's life circumstances. You know, what happens if you weren't married and then you get married? Well, under Ontario law, even if you had a will, when you get married, that will is revoked. So what we let our customers do is come back on onto uh, their account. They just log back in with their uh, with their password at any time in the future. They can make whatever changes they need in our system, they just do another turn of their documents. They regenerate their documents and they just print them out and sign them again. Doesn't cost anything. You know, one of the things we really, Daniel and I both really didn't like as lawyers is that if somebody wanted to make a very simple change to their will, let's say, okay, the people I named as guardians for my kid, they're just, they're older now. It wouldn't be appropriate. I want to name a sibling instead of a parent. Well, that involves a call to the lawyer's office, at least some emails or some phone calls back and forth, and at least a couple hundred bucks, maybe just to make a relatively simple change.
0: And you you never want cost to be the thing that prevents people from making those simple changes. Yep. Agreed. And that's often the fear. It's the unknown. Like, what's this going to cost me? Right. I'm sure countless people just didn't bother reaching out to you because of it. Because they're like, oh, you know, it cost me this much last time. Like maybe the thing could be handled in a simple codicil, which would be more effective, more affordable. But at the end of the day, like the the perception of cost often leads to conversation not even happening in the first place.
1: Yeah. And when it does, when people are sort of uh, having those conversations for the first time, they're sort of putting the feelers out to see what it is going to cost. And a lot of time, those are my friends calling me and saying, hey, I've got a kid now. I need a will. One of the first questions is what's it going to cost me? And I'd have to say, well, huh, you know, I'll cut you a break on the fees, but it's still going to be three grand at least. And that's just a function of the rates that law firms that specialize in this charge these days. Well that yeah. was like a one and done conversation. And then oh. when we started
0: building Epilogue, the question became when are you launching Epilogue so that I can get my will? Yeah. I mean I think it's it's interesting. I'm sure you share this frustration. I think too often like the good thing about what you have with Epilogue is that for those who need only this that's a great solution. But too often, my, and I said this at a, at a conference recently, people confuse estate planning with the end result, which is the will and power of attorney. And for some people, estate planning doesn't go far beyond the questions you ask. But for so many people, like you quote me, a price of 3000 Well, for some people, that number is a deal compared to the amount of money they would pay otherwise. Right. And I think it's so, so often, the one good thing I like about what you've done here is you've made them take a, it's like you, you made them go on a bit of a journey to understand the areas of the will, the obligations of the will, like what the end result is, right? And I think even though it's this is far more than just an online template. It's it's a it's a path of of also some fundamental education around estate planning. And because of that, you're demonstrating value. And because you're also saying like, hey, we can't handle it at this point, like you need a lawyer and here's why. I think you're making the job for estate lawyers, good ones, easier because anyone who would be 3000 goodbye or 1200 whatever goodbye, like now it's the other way around. Maybe they find you first and they're saying, well, Kip look, the $100 will kit, the $120 will kit says that they can't, I'm too complicated for that. So what is involved here? Then it becomes a value conversation as opposed to cost.
1: Yep. You're absolutely right. And what we're finding is the conversations are actually going the other way as well. So we'll get people reach out to us and say, oh, I was talking to my lawyer and I told them a bit about my situation. And there you really see the lawyers that are providing value because they're the ones saying, well, your situation isn't that complicated yet. Epilogue, this online solution is a good solution for you right now. And then in five, 10 years, when things are, you have more assets or, you know, the family dynamic changes, that's when you come back to me. And I think the lawyers that we have relationships with, and we talk with a lot of lawyers, and I'm going to be honest. I mean, if somebody approached me with an idea like this three years ago, I would have been very skeptical. I would have said, online wills, what are you talking about? You can't do a will online. But when we explain to people that we're not trying to displace anything that lawyers do, we think there's tremendous value in going to lawyers, but lawyers, like you said, you know, your, the value is in the advice they're giving. It's looking at your situation and, and, Drafting wills that are nuanced in a way that is unique to your family. But again, if you know somebody with the nuclear family doesn't necessarily need all that advice, well, why would they pay for it?
0: Exactly. I mean, this is there's parallels to my day job as a financial planner in that a lot of times you hear people start talking about like, how do we get financial plans in the hands of every Canadian? Like the, you know, this comprehensive planning service. And it's like, do we really need to sell steak to everybody? Do we really need to sell like Kobe beef to everyone? No, we don't. Like if this is about sustenance and 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 basically having the basic planning done, then there are simple Solutions that exist out there. It's the same conversation I have around Robo sometimes. It's like, do we really need to like the reality is does someone starting out really need to have the super expensive advisor? No, they don't. And we look at even how businesses, just everything in the world works out, all the actual like true value provided and all the actual like revenue per, uh, like garnered is basically earned on both ends of the spectrum. It's through high volume, low cost, simplified offerings, like what you're offering. And the opposite of the spectrum, which is highly customized, high value, deep knowledge, and which comes at a really different price, at a premium price. Everything in the middle, like when you're when you're you know if you're trying to charge, if you're trying to mismatch those those audiences and trying to sell the steak to the person who only needs only needs the hamburger, it's not a good situation to be in. You're not taking their best interest into consideration, and they're gonna enough people are gonna, sh- are gonna smart be smart enough to know that they don't need that. So. Let us let me go to two things I want to commend you on, on your website. One, planning for pets automatically in my world, that is a must. Uh, so completely appreciate that that has been taken into consideration. I'm sure it's a very popular question too. And just for the record, I know that you don't allow me to leave like my entire estate to my dog, right? That's not, that's not an option. <laughs> it, it is not an option to leave your entire estate to your dog. Good. We don't get any of those funny stories that happen in the media, really. Not in media, in fiction. Second one is you're basically producing four documents with this, right? So you have the wills uh, wills and both powers of attorney, one for property, one for healthcare, but you also have a funeral and and burial wishes directive. Tell me about that one.
1: Yeah. So this is a conversation that a lot of people don't have with their lawyers and Mm -hmm. the lawyers don't engage clients with. And the main reason is because this is usually not a legal document. When you have funeral and burial wishes, they're not legally binding. And frankly, people don't want to pay a lawyer to have this conversation with them. And lawyers don't want to charge clients to have this conversation with them. That being said, a lot of clients do want specific funeral instructions in their will. And what I would always tell those clients was, listen, you know, I'll put whatever you want in your will. But if you have specific instructions about what you want to happen at your funeral, you better tell somebody. Because if you want to be buried and your family doesn't know that and it's only written in your will and then they cremate you and then they call me up two weeks later and say okay we want to have we want to take a look at the will and see what this person you know wanted with their assets and they read the will and they say whoops yeah exactly so what we would (laughs) no undo button on cremation (laughs) no there isn't exactly so we would always tell people that again we'll put it in the will But I would recommend to people uh, when I was practicing is, you know, put it in a separate document too, that I'll keep the will, you'll have copies of the will, but have this separate document there with the will. And most importantly, tell people about it, tell people what you want. So we have a funeral and burial wishes document that includes instructions about things like organ donation and what type of service you would want for your family, whether it's a celebration of life or a traditional funeral or a, a memorial service. And that's the, actually the only place in our system where we give Uh, customers a free form text box to write what They want because again, it's not a legally binding document. There are other platforms that actually let people have free form text within the will. We don't like that as an idea because there's the opportunity to accidentally say something that contradicts something else in the will. So mm-hmm. the will is the will, but on this document, that's a sort of a just a one pager funeral and burial wishes. We let people sort of give parting words or to let family members know if they have a pre purchased burial plot, for example. So that's another document that it just comes for free, you know, anytime somebody purchases a will or will bills and powers of attorney with us, they they get that as part of the service.
0: Excellent. So end of the day, people with simple cases, log in, go through your workflow, download documents, there's instructions on how to do it. And then I would also say you're absolutely right. Tell people where these documents are. I'm unfortunately dealing with a personal friend right now whose uncle passed away and lived alone. We have no idea if there's a document. So I said, you know, I was like what, what do we do? Well, you turn that house upside down to start. Right. And they're like, is there no central registry? I'm like, <laughs> there's no central registry. Why no, not I'm like, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. so it, it is what it is. It's, uh, you know, without proper communication, all you're doing is leaving behind aggravation for your loved ones. And it's not a good place to be in. So this is the starting point. Tell me not, maybe not your starting point. This isn't your version one, but tell me, like, where do you see it going from here? Is there, is there plans beyond, uh, beyond what you have currently to go into other branches of law or stay specifically within estate planning and branch from there?
1: Yeah, so right now our focus is on expansion. So when we launched we were in Ontario. We've since expanded to Alberta and British Columbia and by the middle of 2021 we expect to be across all of the common law provinces in Canada. So that's sort of the near term so goal okay, for us. It. You read between the lines there. There you go. <laughs> um but again, we do want to be across uh, all across Canada and that is the near term goal in terms of goals beyond that, we call it sort of the intersection of legal tech which is fairly nascent and and death tech, which is fairly nascent. And there's a lot of, we think, opportunity to help people in a lot of different areas that touch on end of life. And whether that's pre-death planning or post-mortem work where you know an executor is, is able to leverage some of the things that we've created to assist in that part of the process, that's something that's interesting to us. And right now, the system is designed for the 80%, like you said, But because we have the in-house legal knowledge to create more sophisticated products, and it's uh, something that we've thought about as well, is where can we build out and where can we partner with more lawyers or financial advisors or people in the insurance or accounting industries to uh, create a more customized document where it might be appropriate?
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, you can you gone for the 80%, but it's not to say you can't get the 85%, right? Like there is a there is a incremental level of complexity can still be captured in, in template form that does not have to get hyper-specific, right? Yeah, um,
1: that's right. And it's worth mentioning on the stuff that we do have, like there's, you know, we have a certain comfort level of what we are willing to sort of release to the public, so to speak, and let people use unchecked. Once you get into, start getting into that 85%, it's probably not something that people can do on their own. And so that's where I think we would look to have uh, an intermediary almost, somebody to sit down, talk about the planning, talk about what they need, but then still have access to a system that will allow them to do it.
0: Yeah, and I I mean, I've spoken to all kinds of people around the quote-unquote death value chain, uh, for lack of a better term, right? Like the online prep kits, the will kits, and then the even now, um, incidentally, it's like everybody discovers these ideas at the same time. Suddenly, there's three companies coming to do to do basically post-mortem uh, checklists and tool sets for being able to finish the executor to finish the estate. So, you know, you look at that and think to myself, There's either a integration play or a like either either you integrate to each other or you someone builds a full stack solution because it would be very, very nice and easy to be able to say not only is my will in place, but there's also an online repository of all my stuff that once you know proof of life is no longer is is basically not possible because you're dead, you have proof of death, the executors can unlock all that and have access to a lot of it that's already built with intelligence. So the good thing. Sadly, uh, you know, death hurts the living as much as it hurts the dead, for lack of a better term. When you pass away, the pain ends. When you're the executor, the pain continues on for quite a while. I always joke that I don't understand why people fight to be the executor. I wouldn't want that job to save my life because it sucks. And the good news is is that there's a lot of technology. I think you guys, people like you and others are out there putting together. That's going to make that a lot easier going forward because, frankly, it didn't have to be that complicated in the first place. So before we wrap up, the three questions I ask everyone. First, if you had one wish for something you can change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be?
1: I think my wish would be that everybody could realize how important it is to get a will and now how easy it is to get a will. And I don't just mean that from the point of view that it would be great for my business if everyone all of a sudden woke up and said, hey, I need a will. But truly, it's an important document and you said it right off the top. Everybody needs one.
0: Exactly. So second question for you. What's been the biggest challenge in the company to where from where it started to where it is today?
1: That's a good question. So I think that the biggest challenge, at least for me personally, is coming at the problem from a lawyer's point of view, you have a lawyer's mindset. And there's so much that goes into being a lawyer that does not prepare you for being in business. And lawyers notably are terrible at marketing. And that was the case for me and my partner and basically everybody we worked with. And uh, you're all sort of uh, you know brought along the same chain and you're working for people that are basically have the same background and experience as you. They're just you know, a little bit more senior. So a challenge for us, both of us, has been, uh, you know, opening up to this entire world of specialties and subspecialties around the digital marketing and the advertising and the copywriting and stuff that was just not part of our world when we started down this
0: journey. Yeah, but you have to get over the not giving a straight answer on any question part. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> um, I joke with my lawyer, like the answer is always, it depends, right? It depends, right? <laughs> that's that's the answer. I, was, I I don't think I've said that in this interview yet. Yeah, because I mean, that, that's, that's I, I always have even even legal friends of mine. I'm like, look, it's me. Just, just I'm not going to hold it to it. Odds on that, what's the answer, right? And even then, it's still hard to get a direct answer sometimes. But when you're, you when have, you're a business you owner, give, you don't have that luxury.
1: You have to give them the, if you were in my position, what would you do, right?
0: And then they go, then they go like well, (laughs) if I'm not being held to this, then yeah. I've literally had moments where I was at a conference like, okay, no one else is in the room, just you and me. This is never going to happen, right? And they're just like... <laughs> <laughs> you're so used to covering your butt on everything okay so last question is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and gets you up in the morning to keep on fighting a good fight
1: I'm gonna go back to the first answer that I gave you in this line of three questions which is the idea that we are seeing people every day come through and uh, get their wills made and people reach out to us after the fact and they the comment we hear time and time again was like I've literally been putting this off for years because I was scared to do it I didn't know what was involved and had I known that it was going to be this easy I would have done it years ago. And my thought is, well, thank goodness that you were still alive to do it because there's people that put it off and at some point it's just too late. And so uh, the fact that we're giving people the opportunity to do it while they can is what gets me up in the morning.
0: Yeah. If only we can get over. So I actually hope that in a couple of years, you and your, your competitors have all you know taken care of most of this market. And we're down to the only protest being the uh, somewhat cultural stereotype of if you do that, you're courting death, right? Like <laughs> we should be down to that. You know, you're not going to beat that level of thinking. But if we can get down to just that one problem, we'll, we'll be in good shape as a country.
1: We've heard that one, too. People say they they're worried that if they do it, they
0: will die. And yeah, I don't really have. I a can guarantee you one yet. thing. Do it or not, they're going to die no that's that's very true it doesn't matter like to state that there's a correlation between people with 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 wills who then die that correlation is equal to the number of people who don't have wills and die. so it's the math is the same (laughs) yeah anyway so on that note uh thank you for taking the time Aaron.
1: thank you very much jason it was uh great to be on the podcast
0: so that was my interview with Aaron Klug of uh, Epilogue. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you are in the market for a will, please, please, please stop putting it off and check out what they're doing. Uh, affordable, easy to use, and very user-friendly in that regard. And I hope you enjoyed our jokes about estate planning because uh, it can be a dark topic, but <laughs> sometimes it can be funny. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is you get your podcast. And until next time, take care.